Welcome to the Citizens Youth Sermon Podcast. We are a ministry of Northwest Gospel Church and a community of students who are learning to live for Jesus. We meet every Wednesday at 7 p.m. To find out more, visit nwgospel.com slash citizens. What's up, citizens? Thanks for being here tonight. We are going to have so much fun uh, with our gathering tonight. And so earlier this week, I asked you guys, what team do you belong to? What team do you belong to? We, it was super fun looking through all the answers because we have a diverse youth group. I mean, we got different types of students from different schools. But what's cool is a lot of you guys share something in common. And it's this. You know what it's like to belong to a team. A lot of you guys know what it is to be in a group or in a club. And you just, you know what it's like to have your squad. And so I was looking through the answers, which I'll give you guys a few examples. Um, I, I noticed something. So let me show you, okay? So first of all, we have over here a member of the marching band. He's part of that team. That's his group, his cadre, if you will. Um, we also saw that we have some baseball players. Look at Micah Foskett. What's up, Micah? Looking good. And so we got uh, some, some baseball action here. Don't know what more to say about baseball. We found a member of Union's orchestra. She's part of that team, part of that band, that, that orchestra. We have here, this is one of my favorites. So Maddie Oswald and Gabrielle Adams, they go to Camp Attitude every summer. And this is their squad, right? And, and they're wearing the t-shirts there, but they unite around the common cause of serving there at that camp every year. Um, another one I got here, which blew me away. Did you know that Eilish Fuentes was on the American Red Cross team? I didn't even know you can be on an American Red Cross team, but I'm proud to say that Union Red Cross are the state champs. I'm not sure how you compete in an American Red Cross team, but, but that's her squad. Uh, we see here some of our cross-country runners from Shehala and Sky Ridge looking good. And then we also got some Camus High School studs here. I don't know if you know, but say hello to Mr. Jonah and Miss Sammy. And so again, a wide variety of groups here, from choir to camps, from band to baseball. But did you notice what they all had in common? Look again. Do you notice what all of these individuals share together? Yes, sixth grader, they're all human beings. Very good. But do you notice something else about these human beings? Time's up. It's this. They are all wearing uniforms, right? Whether it's a jersey, whether it's just a simple t-shirt, whether it's a polo or a plume, they are all wearing a jersey, a uniform, something that identifies them as part of the whole. See, and that's what a uniform is. It identifies you as a part of the whole. I remember growing up and, and being a part of football and marching band and track. The day that you get your uniform, that was, that's a special day. The moment that you walk into the football cages, and not only are you getting your jersey, but you get to choose your number. It's a special moment. I remember when the band moms would come in and they started sizing us all up, getting ready to tailor the band uniforms, and then they give you your hat and they give you your plume. That was awesome. Special moments. Those are sacred moments, you could even say. Because the, the moment that you get your uniform, the moment that you get your jersey, they are saying to you, you are a part of our team. You have identified with us. You are now a part of our mission and our objective. And so every time you put on that uniform, you are to represent. 
represent, that's what you'd now do in that uniform. And so I'll tell you a story really quick. I had a buddy in high school, his name was Mike. And Mike was on the track team with me. And Mike was a super good athlete. Like he's the kind of kid that he was used to placing number one, number two in every single event. And so one day, like some of you athletes may know, one day he was having an off day. And so his jumps, not even in the top three. His hurdles, didn't place. His final race, his 400 meter race around the track, not his best. Let's put it that way. And so Mike, he storms off the track. He, he goes behind the bleachers where he thinks nobody can see him. And Mike just starts swearing up and down. He's just swinging his fist, raging anger, stamping his feet. And he thought nobody saw him. But there were two people who just so happened to be Pleasant Valley Track alumni that were walking by and they saw the whole thing. And so these two alumni, guess what they do? Pick up the phone, and they dial and they say, hey coach, you're not gonna believe what we just saw. <laughs> so the next day at practice we come and coach says, hey, hey, don't go warm up yet. Everybody bring it in and sit down, I gotta talk to you. That's strange, we go, what's going on? And the coach tells us the whole story, tells us about his conversation with the alumni, tells us how disappointed it is. And he says, when you guys put on that jersey, you are to represent. When you have my name, Pleasant Valley Track, on your chest, you are to represent. Never forgot that. My legs never forgot that as we ran quite a few laps that day. You see, Mike, he was wearing the jersey, but he didn't represent. He had the name Pleasant Valley Track on his chest, but he was not living in a way that, that was worthy of that jersey. He wasn't living in a way that was worthy of what the jersey stood for. He wasn't representing who we were and what we were all about as a team. And so Christian, I tell you this story because you don't have a Jesus jersey. You don't have the name Christian printed across your chest unless you have a pretty cool chest piece, which in that case, disregard that last comment. But I tell you this, because when you became a Christian, when you went public with your faith, you told the whole world who you now belong to. And just like my track team, just like your lacrosse team, just like your choir, you are to live in a way that is worthy of the name. You're to represent. And that's how Paul begins our verse today as we continue our series, Unfinished. Look what he says. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you. I want to double tap on a phrase here. Let your manner of life. This is actually a really common expression in the Roman Empire. Okay, This is something that they would say to their citizens. And basically what the, what the expression meant was, live like a citizen. You see, our Philippians, they lived in a city called Philippi. And though it was far from Rome, over in Italy, the boot, though it was far from Rome, they were still considered Roman citizens. And so from the time that they were young, they were taught this idea. Young child, live like a citizen. You call yourself a Roman, then you better live like it. So they were taught to conduct themselves in a lifestyle that was appropriate for the one who belonged to Rome. They were taught citizens do this, citizens don't do this. Roman citizens definitely don't do this, but they do do this. 
And so they were taught, hey, you are a Roman citizen. Represent what it means to be a Roman. Represent what, what, it, what Rome stands for. Hey, citizen, represent. Represent. And so here's Paul, and he's throwing back at them this very familiar phrase. And he says to the Philippians, live like a citizen. But you see, this time, he's not talking about being worthy of Rome. He says to them, I want you to be worthy of the gospel of Christ. He says, you now represent Jesus, so live like it. Just like you're a citizen of Rome, Philippians, you are now a citizen of heaven. You belong to the kingdom of God. And so I am calling you to live like a citizen. Live lives that are worthy. Live lives that are appropriate of those who have received the gospel and now follow Jesus. And he says, whether I'm here or not, whether I'm in the same room as you or whether I'm in a prison hundreds of miles away, represent Jesus. Represent the kingdom of God. Represent who he is and what he is all about. Philippians, he says, represent. Represent. And citizen students, Citizens Youth, do you now know where the name Citizens Youth comes from? Ah, you do now. And so just like Paul said to the Philippians, I'm here calling you to represent. I'm not talking about your soccer team. I'm not calling you to represent your track team or your choir or your lacrosse team. I'm calling you to represent those of you who have been saved, those of you who have been brought into God's family through Jesus Christ, represent him and represent him well. Man, I'm excited. I hope you can tell because I have so much joy by getting the privilege of giving you this verse because this verse is huge. You see, as a leader of a student community, one of my greatest joys, the thing that I, one of the things I love the most is seeing students become Christians, okay? And I know you guys love that too, right? On Easter Sunday and we see all these students come forward and they're getting baptized. I love seeing students become Christians. But I'm gonna tell you something. I know this sounds crazy, but there's something I actually love even more, just a little bit, slightly more. More than seeing students become Christians, I love seeing students learn how to live like Christians more and more for the rest of their life. I love seeing those same students learn, not just to say the name of Jesus, but learn how to represent Jesus. And you see, that's what Citizens Youth is all about. That's why you're here, that's why I'm here. See, we're not a community of students who are just becoming Christians, no, no, no. We are a community of students who are learning to live for Jesus. You see that? It's not just a decision, it's a lifestyle. We call it discipleship. And so young Christian, little brother, little sister, I love you, and I'm gonna tell you something here, okay? Not one of you know intuitively how to live for Jesus. And then here's what's crazy, neither do I. There's not, this is not intuitive. We're not born knowing how to live for Jesus. As a matter of fact, it's the opposite. Every single person on this earth is born with a sinful heart. We are born with, it, with a selfish heart that is geared toward worshiping ourselves. And then to make matters worse, when we become Christians, we have years of bad habits and addictions and patterns that we have to unlearn. 
But it gets even better because we have the whole world that is trying to tempt us and teach us and convince us to live according to their ways, not the Lord's. And so you see, living for Jesus, it's not intuitive and we can't do it on our own. It's something that we need to learn. Uh, I can prove it to you. I'll never forget. Uh, It was a a situation at winter camp. And I'm not going to say which winter camp. It could be 2020. It could have been 2021. 2021 didn't happen yet. So by process of elimination, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But there there was a fight in a guy's cabin at a winter camp. And it was ugly. You know, this wasn't just a disagreement. It was ugly. I mean, it was, they were stealing. They were lying about it, being deceitful. Uh, They were bullying, calling each other names. I mean, this was peacocking among high school boys at a level you have never even seen. And then on top of all that, they had camp contraband. Okay. And so me and the leaders, we get together and we don't flip out. We don't get super angry. We don't go to the students and we don't go, how could you do this? I'm so surprised. Because we weren't. You see, because those knuckleheads were in a process, and they still are, in a process of learning how to live Jesus' way, not the way of the world. Those young men are in a process of learning how to interact and treat other people the way that God wants us to treat each other, not the way the world says you should, which is why they were at that camp in the first place. And so you see, left to ourselves, students, we don't live for Jesus. We all need to learn how to live lives that are worthy of Christ. We all are in process, you, me, and those knuckleheads, and we all need to learn how to represent. Represent. You know, personally in my life, I'm 29 years old, and I am so grateful that I had godly parents who taught me the Bible, and they taught me how to interact with people. Some of you don't have that. I'm grateful that I had that. I'm grateful that I had a youth leader who loved me enough to speak into my life and put her finger on something in my life and said, this is not how God wants you to live. This is not how God wants you to treat people and speak to people. Oh, that was painful to have my youth pastor call me out like that. But I needed it. Because just like you, I needed to learn how to live a life that was worthy of being a Christian. I needed to live a life that was worthy of Christ. I needed to learn how to represent. And so students, again, you don't have a jersey, but you have been called into God's family. You have experienced forgiveness of your sins. God has forgiven you. He's wiped your slate clean. He has put his Holy Spirit inside of you. He has given you a new purpose. He's given you a new community. He has changed your eternal destiny. Represent. Represent. Remember the gospel. Remember what has happened to you. Represent. And so for the next few moments, what I want to do is in the rest of the text, we're going to see two ways that citizens can represent. All right, so I want you to pay attention. Big idea tonight. Represent. Say it with me. Say represent. There's actually a rap song by Lecrae, circa 2005. You guys should all look on Spotify after this sermon. It's like, represent, represent, maybe. You know what? When I edit this video, we're going to do a little outro with the rap song, all right? You heard it here first. So two ways that each of you guys can represent as citizens. Here we go. Check it out. He says, so that I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind 
striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. You see, students, or, or excuse me, citizens who represent are united. The first thing we see, the first way to represent who Jesus is and what he is all about and what he's done for you is by standing united with your fellow citizens. Right? He, the, the phrases that he used here, it kind of sounds like sports language, doesn't it? He's like, one spirit, one mind. You know, maybe some of you guys can go to your coach and go, coach, I got a new slogan. And like you start it, hands in, one spirit, one mind. And they're going to think you're nuts, right? <laughs> Except for Nick Cannon. Nick Cannon's going to love you because he started like 10 years ago. One band, one sound. I'm really hoping you guys have seen the movie Drumline. Because if you haven't, that means I'm old. All right? So anyway, one spirit, one mind. This is like a, it's, it's like sports. It's like you can hear him just with his mantra, just Raw, one spirit, one mind. And it's good, that, that's great sports language because his point is that you and I in the family of God, we should be acting as if we were on the same team, right? I know you like your sports. You know what it is to be a part of a team. You know what it is to be part of a group and a club. And so you get what I'm saying. You and I and you and him and you and her, you guys are to live as if you were on the same team. And I want you to notice the posture of the people on our team. He says, striving side by side, shoulder to shoulder. On this team, we are standing right next to each other and we are going after the same goal. We are being about the same cause. We are running in the same direction with one spirit and one mind. That's our posture. Again, if we were in a big room, I'd be grabbing some random middle schooler who's gonna pee their pants because they're scared and I put them next to me and I'm dragging them around the room and I'm saying one, one spirit, one mind. One spirit, one mind. And so I want you to think in your life. Think of a situation. Think of a season. Oh yeah, that uh, situation. Where you were in conflict with a fellow citizen. Think of a situation where you were at odds with a fellow Christian. And here's what I'm going to, if you think about it, here's what I think happens when we get into conflict with our fellow citizens. I think at the root of that division, at the root of that conflict, one of you, if not more, more than likely, both of you have stopped running after the same thing, okay? You, in that situation, both of you are no longer of one mind running after Jesus. Instead, you start to run after sin. She starts to run after selfishness. You start to run after your own personal agenda and interest. She starts to run after her vendettas. And before you know it, you're not, you're not both pursuing Jesus. You're pursuing different things and that, those differing pursuits now bring you into conflict with each other. Do you see that? And so what Paul is saying is that that disunity is not worthy of someone who bears the name of Christ. Disunity is not worthy of someone who is trying to represent that doesn't represent God. That doesn't represent what Jesus is all about. Jesus is all about unity. It's like literally his middle name. He's like Jesus, unity, Christ. He united you to the Father. He united us to each other into the same family. He's all about unity. And so how can we represent him if we are not pursuing unity in our relationships? One spirit. One mind. And so maybe right now there's conflict in your life. 
Maybe right now you're just, there's a little bit of tension between you and your friends, between you and your small group, between you and that student, between you and her, or you or him. And students, I'm just gonna tell you to represent. I'm calling you. You're capable of great things. You are, you are a student who understands what I'm saying and I'm calling you in, in a spirit of grace and love. Represent by pursuing unity. And you get with your friend and perhaps you need a mediator. Maybe it's like pretty serious where you need someone to help you sit down and do this, that's okay. But you do it even though it's hard because you're committed. One spirit, one mind. Represent citizens. Represent. Citizens that represent are united. They're united. But there's a second thing that I want to show you. Check it out, okay? He says, and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had and here now that I still have. He says, I want you to be united. And then number two, I want you to not be frightened. Not be frightened. You see, boldness is required because the world hated Jesus. And if the world hated Jesus, the world is going to hate you, Jesus' follower. And so he says here, Don't be frightened. You see, Jesus was persecuted. People hated him. People hated his message. And you go, why would they hate him? Well, if you think about it, his message is kind of offensive. Like Jesus came and he was basically telling everyone, hey, you have sinned. You're not good enough to be with God. You need to repent right now. But I also want you to know that God is merciful and he wants to rescue you from your sin and he will respond to your humility with grace and forgiveness and mercy. And so see, the reason why you're here is because you've heard that message and you have enough humility. The Lord has granted it to you to respond to that gospel. And in humility, you say, this is the best news ever. But you see, there are those who are more hard-hearted than you, my, my dear student. There are those who they hear this message and they scoff and they go, do you know who you're talking to? And those are the kind of people that killed Jesus. And So not everybody likes the idea that they need rescuing. Not everybody likes the idea that they have to be saved because they go, saved from what? And so students, if you stand with Christ and for his message, you will be persecuted. You will be hated. Case in point, look at Paul. Where is Paul writing this letter from? Prison. He says, yeah, you got to be bold, right? That's the second. Citizens who represent are bold. He says, the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. He's in conflict. I mean, Jesus, he, he warned us, to be honest. Like, he, he told us as clear as day. He says, remember the word that I said to you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. Jesus is not saying that every single person in the world is going to hate you. That's not true. We all have non-Christian friends who love us and we're cool. That's not what he means. What he's saying is, is that the prevailing attitude, the prevailing mentality in the world is diametrically opposed to what you now stand for and to who you now live for. 
I'll give you an example. I had a student come to, come to my office after school one day, and, and she was just, she could tell something happened at school. I go, what's wrong, what's wrong? And you know, she was in a class discussion, and at one point in the discussion, someone looked at her and point blank said, what do you think about our discussion on abortion here? What's your opinion on reproductive rights? And it was like the world stood still for her. For her. See, in that moment, she knew that her faith, she knew that her beliefs were opposed. They were opposite to the prevailing opinion in the room at that moment. She was discovering what it meant to be in the world and to have the world around her. But you know what she knew? Even though that was a a scary moment, even though she didn't want to speak up for a moment, she knew that citizens who represent are bold. They're bold. You see, students, you are going to find yourself in those moments. If you're a true Christian, you will. Whether it's in homeroom, whether it's in the locker room, whether it's on social media, whether the topic is abortion, whether the topic is gender identity, whether the topic is your sexual ethic, there will be a moment where your opinion will be drawn into the light, where your beliefs and your faith and your convictions will be drawn into the light and it will become painfully clear that you are in the minority surrounded by a prevailing attitude of the world. That is the majority. And in that moment, students, Paul's call and my call as your loving pastor is to represent, to not be frightened in anything by your opponents. Don't be intimidated. Don't be scared. Represent Jesus by standing for him with unwavering courage. It does take courage. That's why if you remember last week's verses, Paul was praying, he said that I would stand with full courage, unashamed unashamed because citizens who represent are bold and obviously it's easier said than done but I'm going to show you something oh this is so beautiful I'm going to show you something right here in the text that will help you be bold that will fuel and build up your courage and here is this let me show you okay you will be bold if you remember that being persecuted for Jesus is actually a privilege Let that sink in. When you're persecuted for Jesus, when you face opposition, when you face those opponents, that situation is actually a privilege. Look what he says. It has been granted to you to suffer for his sake. Granted. We know, he says it here, right, that, that your, your ability to hear and respond to the gospel is a gift, right? It has been granted to you that you believe in him. That's from him. You're a Christian because of him. But in the situations where you're being persecuted, where you're being opposed by the world, that's also granted to you. That's also from him. And so those moments, you could say, are privilege granted. When you're being persecuted for following Jesus, in those moments, students, you're near to him. In those moments, you are standing close to him, experiencing the same things that he did. And that is a privilege. The mo- those moments, they remind you, right? When, when you have people oppose you, those moments are reminding you of going, oh yeah, I'm with Jesus. Oh yeah, I'm on his side. 
oh yeah, if I'm partaking with him of these similar sufferings, then I will also partake with him of a similar resurrection and exaltation and eternal life. When you suffer, it is a privilege that reminds you I'm with him. And it also reminds you that he's with you. You see, when my little sister was in class and she stood up boldly and she spoke her faith-inspired beliefs about reproductive rights and abortion, in that moment, she experienced eye-rolling, calling of names, you're closed-minded, you're a bigot. She had the, the, the sneers and the mocking. And that hurt. But you know who else received those things? Her Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And in those moments when you are suffering for his sake, it is, it's like he comes to you and he puts his arm around you and he whispers to you, I get it. I've been there and I'm with you in this. And he hugs you. And that's a privilege. That's an intimacy and a nearness to experience with Christ. I know it sounds bananas. Like who's in their right mind? Who, who could possibly think of rejoicing in that? I have missionary friends who when they're suffering, they'll say, don't pray for me to be, deliver, for me to be delivered uh, from suffering. Pray that I would have the courage to stand strong and, and, and partake in this privilege. What? It's bananas. I mean, look at Acts 5, okay? I'm gonna show you one of the wildest passages in all of scripture. You can write this down, tattoo it on your inner left bicep, but do it in a way that, you know, when you look in the mirror, obviously it reads the right way. But look at these verses. When they had called in the apostles, this is the Pharisees, this is the, uh, the, the Sadducees, I should say, the, uh, the, uh, the religious leaders, okay? Uh, they called in the apostles. They beat them. They charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus anymore. And then they let them go. What would you do if you just got beat upside your head and said, don't, tell, don't preach the name of Jesus anymore. Now get out of here. You know, like to be honest, I'm like, wow. I'm lucky to be out of here. I think I'm going to keep a low profile. Maybe I'm going to move my ministry. Maybe I'll go pastor in like the next country over. What do they do? They left the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And every day in the temple, and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that the Christ is Jesus. They celebrated the suffering. They had joy in the persecution. Why? Because they realized that it was a privilege to be near to Christ. They realized it was a privilege. Students, when you represent Jesus with unity, when you represent Jesus with boldness, something happens. Something powerful happens. I'm gonna show you in our last part here. Look what it says, look very carefully. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation. Students, final point of tonight. Your unity and boldness is a sign. Your unity and your boldness is a sign. Here's what I mean by that. You see, when the world persecutes you, when the world comes against the church and they see Christ followers not backing down, when they see the church, capital C church, in all places and in all time, when they see that the church is not being defeated, no matter how hard they push, it is like a 
freaking red blinking sign to them, whether they get the sign or not, it is God's sign to them that what you are opposing right now is not just an ordinary movement of people. Warning, warning, warning. The reason why this is not being defeated is because this is an undefeatable work of the one true God. And because you're opposing it, it's a clear sign of your destruction. You're on the wrong side. But it's also a sign to us, right? When we look at the church that we belong to, right? The capital C church that has existed in all time, in all places. When we realize that that church has not been defeated, it has not been overcome and run down, it is a sign to us that we are on the right side and that we are winning. It is a sure sign of our salvation. Our salvation, the unity and the boldness of the church, even in the face of persecution. We're winning. We're going to be saved. And so students, I've said it once, I've said it a million times now, tonight, the big idea, I am calling you to represent. Represent. Represent Jesus Christ with your unity. Represent Jesus Christ with your courage and your boldness. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you, it could be tonight after you hang up from our Zoom call, it could be at some point in the morning, here's how I'm calling you to respond. I want you to spend some time in prayer and I want you to ask the Lord, Lord, what areas of my life do I need to work on in representing you? I want you to write it down. It doesn't have to be a whole laundry list, but I want you to spend some time in prayer and go, man, the way that I speak, that doesn't represent God. The way that I treat people that I'm not a big fan of, that doesn't represent God. The way that I spend my time, that doesn't represent what God is about. The way that I, uh, I use my social media, the way that I peruse social media, the way that I ask the Lord. Because God, the one who's giving us these instructions to represent, he's more than willing to teach us. More than willing. He loves to teach us. And so step one, I want you to write it down. And then step two, I'm going to ask you to be courageous. And I want you to share with your parents. Tell one of your parents. Say, the Lord wants me to work on this in my life. And maybe if you have that relationship, you even take the next step and you say, would you help me? Maybe for some of you guys, that's not an option. So pick up the phone and call your youth leader and say, this is what the Lord is saying to me. Here's what I need to do about it. And then you and your youth leader, you and your parent, together we will learn how to live lives that are worthy of the gospel. Together we will learn how to represent. How to represent. Students, I love you. I am so stinking proud of you and privileged to be a part of this youth community. Let's continue responding today and, uh, and I'll see you just in a few minutes.